This episode of InsureTech Insider is proudly brought to you by Deloitte. They are focused on uniting the bright ideas from InsureTech with large-scale traditional carriers and everything in between, bringing, of course, their wealth of industry experience and technology know-how into the mix, helping to drive the pace of change and transform insurance as we know it. Welcome to InsureTech Insider, coming to you live from the 11FS office in WeWork, London. I'm Sarah Kachansky, and this week I'm joined by my co-host, Deloitte partner, Nigel Walsh. How are you, Nigel? I am fantastic. How are you? I am good. I'm good. Nearly Easter, nearly a long weekend. Um, so, this week's show will focus on the London market, what it is, why it's held such a globally important role in the insurance industry for so long, and how with the rise of InsureTech, all of that is changing. Uh, alongside that, we're going to be discussing if and when the London market's leading market share is becoming disrupted and indeed reduced. Uh, we're joined by a range of InsureTech and traditional insurers to battle this one out. We're joined by some fantastic guests in the room today. Joining me is Will Thorne, Innovation Leader at the Channel Syndicate, Oliver Ralph, Insurance Correspondent for the FT, Bernadine Brocker, Co-Founder and CEO of the Sartre, Alex Hearn, MD of Slipcase. Thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners, could you each just give us a quick summary about what each of you do? Will, do you want to start? Sure, so hi everybody. Um, I am Head of Innovation for Channel, which is a Lloyd Syndicate, and I also work for our parent company's um, Ventures Initiative. Uh, our parent company is Score, which is the fourth largest um, global reinsurer. And then, um, because I'm a bit of an idiot and I like to do this kind of thing in my spare time, I also chair the um, UK Treasury-backed InsureTech board, um, which is all about how we can develop InsureTech in the UK. Brilliant. Thank you. Oliver? Hi. Nice to, to meet you. Well, I'm Oliver Ralph. I work for the Financial Times, where I am the insurance correspondent coming, covering everything from the London market to global life insurers and everything in between. <laughs> Anything involving the word insurance? Anything involving the word insurance. <laughs> Brilliant. Alex, how about you? Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, my name is Alex Hearn. I am an ex-London market broker uh, and founder of a website called slipcase.com, um, which is for brokers and underwriters and risk managers around the world, a central place to get all the latest news and insights. And for organisations, we're a, a branding distribution tool uh, and a way of getting their, their brand and their latest insights in front of brokers and underwriters uh, around the world. Brilliant. Thank you. And Bernadine? Yeah, I'm uh, Bernadine Brocker. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Vastari.com, which is an online marketplace for uh, touring exhibitions and exhibition loans. In a nutshell, what we've done is over the past six years is build the world's largest trading platform for um, exhibitions of art, culture and science that are touring around the world to different venues and linking them up with uh, high net worth individuals and corporates who own works of art that are relevant to those exhibitions. And um, as a result, we're constantly faced with issues of risk and uh, different types of agreements. So we have found ourselves to have to deal with a lot of insurance. And as a result, um, many would consider us now an insure tech company. Um, yeah, happy to discuss it further. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you all for joining us. Um, such have Great to have such a varied bunch. Um, now, given we're going to be talking about um, something that has apparently been renowned for its jargon, we're going to start off today with a, a few definitions just to make this easier. Um, so, Nigel, do you want to start by telling us what we mean by the London market? 
Right. So, so actually, I've written out a couple of examples and, and things here, and I'm actually going to pass the buck here. Okay. So I've not seen a single presentation, or I'm not, I've not, not seen a single presentation, should I say, that hasn't talked about Edward Lloyd and the coffee shops of London. In fact, when I when my colleagues and insurtechs from the US come across, I joyfully take them down Lombard Street and show them the plaque of the very first coffee house. In the introductions, though, I heard the word broker. I heard the word syndicate. Shall I start with Oliver? Would you mind giving me the broad brush view of what London market is? And then I'm going to ask Will to talk about syndicates and Alex to talk about brokers. And and what I'm trying to do here is understand all the different participants in the London market. So the very broad brush is that the London market is very specialist insurance that takes place in London, where you can insure all kinds of things from footballers' legs to works of art to company property to whatever it is, mostly commercial, but very specialised insurance. And there's lots of people in London, some of them inside Lloyd's of London, the famous market, some of them not inside Lloyd's of London. But uh, there's lots of people here who insure all these weird and wonderful things. So, so if you have something weird and wonderful that you want to insure, London has historically been the place you come to and you find somebody who will be prepared to write you a policy yeah. for that. The kind of thing you can't buy on a price comparison site. Brilliant. Perfect. Will, syndicates. Thanks for the hospital pass because I'll be in real trouble if I get this one wrong. <laughs> so Lloyd's is a marketplace rather than a single company. Um, so you have, at the moment, something like 56 uh, managing agents, which I can already see Nigel is going to want me to define as well. Managing agents are companies which effectively manage capital um, on behalf of others. Uh, and each managing agent um, will be operating one or more syndicates, and the syndicate is the vehicle in which the capital is deployed against individual risks. Nice. I like oh. it. Not Alex, sure I can compete with that. So we know brokers also participate in the market. Talk to me about this. We do. So as you mentioned, I think yeah, the, the key three um, components of the market, the London market, um, company market, the Lloyd's market, and the brokers themselves. Um, I think the fundamental role of the broker is to bring these complex, uh, specialty-specific risks into the London market. Um, and in general, these are risks that a lot of other carriers around the world don't want to insure. Um, so a lot of the stuff that comes to the uh, London insurance market is highly specialist, um, high risk um, uh, accounts that uh, need to be looked into by the specialists that are within the London market. Well, that leads us um, very much on to what is the London market famous for? So what we're going to be talking about today is disruption to it. So did you want to do a little bit of history, Nigel? Are you burning to do the, the coffee shop No, piece? I just like the fact... I, I didn't grow up in London, for those that know me. And I just love pomp and ceremony. And London, Lloyd's of London, for me, is almost pomp and ceremony at its best. Isn't it? If you walk into the Lloyd's building and everything else? It's unbelievable. <laughs> I like you the diplomacy. You are walking back hundreds of years. Quite literally. You know, it's, it's obviously famous as being one of the oldest markets in the world. It's famous for being, you know, very specialist. Um, you know, why? Well, is it globally important? Let me take my head out of a history book for a minute. And one of the recent campaigns from um, the market was London Makes It Possible, which for those that didn't see had uh, people, actors, I'm assuming, dressed up in spacesuits, ballet costumes and everything else. And I thought it was a really, really nice way of humanising what that marketplace actually does. And and to your point about footballers' legs or whatever else it might be, um, actually what we can now ensure in the London market. So um, I I guess from that, guys, where do we even start? What what is it and what are we ensuring in that space? Well, I I think um, as as well as the kind of really brilliant idiosyncrasies that 
we've all kind of touched on, what you have to remember is the London market is a real kind of UK success story. Um, on its own, I think it's about 25% of the um, GDP that comes out of what's known as the City of London. Uh, it's the largest commercial and specialty market um, for insurance and reinsurance in the world. And there's a huge amount of people who are employed by it. And of course, the, the question which I suppose we're all here to debate is, can we keep that um, prominent position in the global market? And what, what does the future of it look like? Because it is historically, um, it has been a very, very traditional marketplace with individuals doing business almost one on one, often with reams of paper files. Yeah, as a as a startup walking into Lloyd's, you kind of think, gosh, this, there must be a more efficient way to do this than to meet one on one. But the truth is that there is some kind of a value in those conversations and the bits of paper and all of the things that are being handled at that market that it's um, it's difficult to 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 emulate that with an online system. I think it's going to be possible with what is being developed, but it'll take time. So in terms of, uh, you know, uh, you know, as you said, we've touched a couple of times talking about the debate and the market share, you know, London has this huge share of the global, the global market. Um, but that said, there has been quite a lot coming out of, you know, and media headlines and newspapers talking about that share is being eked away by largely the bigger players in Asia. Um, is, you know, what's causing that? Is that because they are more efficient? Or is it down to like our old friend Brexit? Is this a regulatory thing? You know, everybody's been walloped by so much regulation, it's hindering it. What What's actually the cause there? Because I don't, as far as I understand it, it's accurate that Asia is taking a larger and larger, you know, the markets in Asia are taking a larger and larger share. So what's driving that? There's a few things happening at once here. Firstly, other markets are, are just more efficient in the way they do business. London's quite old-fashioned. One of the, the things is that often if you're putting business into London, there are more links in the chain between the, the person who's got the risk, the, the footballer with the legs or the person who owns the building, and the, the capital that's actually taking on the risk, ultimately, whoever it is, whichever investor it is. If you put business through London, there are a lot of links in that. It's a very, very long chain. And all the way along that chain, everybody takes their little bit out. So it's not very efficient. Lloyd's is also quite old fashioned. They all have big sheets of paper they're all queuing up at each other's desks it's just quite an old-fashioned place to to do business so it's a combination of those things really um just to just to add to that i think you know reading into that uh, trend recently i think a lot of the the growth in those emerging markets especially have come from the more commoditized insurance products like the, the motor market in the asia market especially has has been eaten up a lot by the larger global um, carriers. I think, you know, when it comes to the specialty part of the market growing, which I think it should do as a follow-up from that, um, those more commoditized areas, that's where London is really, really well-suited and well-positioned to to grow with the rest of the world. You know, everyone knows that the political risk around the world has, has accelerated massively over the last 10 years. New risks like cyber risks. Um, Lloyd's had a $4.5 billion dollar um, claims bill last year, um, net of reinsurance. You know there is there is massive risks around the world. It's growing more and more. I think um, when it comes to you know emerging markets looking for more specialist products on the business uh, side as opposed to the consumer side, uh, we're in a great place to look after that. No, I just wonder if also um, there is a a bit of something where uh, you consider the technological advances and the insure tech companies within that growth. So uh, how much are companies within London being supported? Because a lot of those are at their starting, like the, the roots of what's going to happen. So actually there might be a lot of expansion with all of the initiatives done by the uh, accelerator programs that are here in London, etc. Um 
But what I was wondering is, would that be considered part of the London market if you're talking about fintech? That is a very good question. Without question, I think the answer is yes. And if you look at people like um, Airbnb or Uber, any of these guys, there are insurance policies that are underwritten by traditional carriers. And when you go onto the websites of some of these people, you'll see they're underwritten or supported by the uh, Lloyd's market. So I think it's a really interesting place that they enable the market to actually transact even in new business models such as the sharing economy. Um, I was just going back to a point that Oliver made, though, about being efficient and multiple links in the chain. You talked about loss as well, Alex. There's a mandate right now for um, all of the participants to take place in PPL. And if you go onto the Lloyd's website, it talks about modernization of the market, which what, goes back what's to PPL, Nigel? Uh, placement platform. Uh, so how you place your business. So thank you very much. For me, this is about how you or how easy you are to do business with. This is almost, I'm going to get killed for this, I'm sure. This is almost creating it as easy to do business with as a price comparison website it is for the same as specialty risk, right? I think you have to be a little bit careful. And there's a wide range of views in the market about um, PPL and whether it's been effective, not effective enough and, um, you know, good. It's good to have a healthy, uh, diverse range of views. What I would say, though, is you have to draw a really clear distinction between the process of um, the risk chain and then the actual elements that go into making the transaction itself. Um, So I think there's a huge amount of process inefficiency, which has been um, clearly highlighted by the, the current management of the Lloyds Corporation, and which I think the vast majority of syndicates buy into. But I think when it comes to actually putting together a deal for a specialty product or something like that, it is actually incredibly efficient. And the analogy I use when I'm talking to startups is if you could go to the valley and if you could imagine all of the VCs in the valley being within three streets of each other so you don't have to take the horrible train um, all the way up to SF, um, you would be in heaven. And effectively, that's what you have in London. You have a concentration of talent, you have a concentration of capital, and you have a concentration of licenses, which is unmatched anywhere else within about half a square mile. And that is incredibly useful when you're trying to get a product to market very So you're quickly. saying I can't email them from my desk to your next desk. I've got to walk around the person one-to-one, right? No, you, you can email, well, but you've got to have those meetings. I think the, thing, the point is as well that like with, like with a lot of the, the modernization and innovation in insurance, we're not doing anything differently. You just do it better. So you do just make those processes simpler, smoother, quicker to, to enable you to focus on what you're talking about, which is those personal relationships, which are important if you're trying to underwrite something that's never been insured before. So if you can make it quicker and easier for you to, to do the formal things and and be compliant because you know that's always going to be a big question then that frees you up and so you actually in terms of the market becoming more efficient that's what becomes more efficient not the actual kind of creation of policies yeah absolutely i mean it's the rare vc that invests on the back of a deck only um in most cases they're going to want those calls and those meetings without question i was i was being a little bit cheeky i i guess my my point here is I'm actually excited that there's a mandate in the market now. Um, Inga Bill's statement when they launched it back in uh, earlier this month was uh, along the lines of we must ensure that Lloyd's and the London market moves together and continues to prioritise its modernisation efforts. And she goes on. I think that's true when we look at the state of uh, global insurance from Asia, as, as Sarah mentioned, or the US or elsewhere. So to, to maintain that position... 
above and beyond mandating um, electoral placement and other, and other stuff like this, what else should we be doing? And to your point, with all the insure techs coming in and, and capability and capital elsewhere, you know, London's constantly under threat from those that can provide access in different ways. But I don't think it's really a threat. That's the, I think, also tying into what you were saying about um, the, the, the difference between process and efficiency. I think that many people think that modernization means making certain things extinct, when actually it's just about facilitating some of those things to happen more efficiently. But those processes and all of that due diligence that, ha- that happens, like asking all the questions as a VC to know that the risk of your investment is being covered, can still be done. But you do it using... A, an app that is facilitated through some of the state-of-the-art technology that makes it more efficient. I, I'm not sure I, I agree with these points entirely, that, that it's just about changing the processes and actually you know, the, the core sort of feature remains in place. I think London is an expensive place to do business because there are a lot of expensive mouths to feed in London. And I think as technology develops, people will look to do things by bypassing London and all those expensive mouths and using technology in a way that gets them their insurance and gets them their coverage, but doesn't actually get money to all of these people in the middle. And I think that's the threat that London faces, that people will find ways of getting their coverage without needing to go through this incredibly expensive city. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Because I'm intrigued by this. So I... I so if you're saying there's lots of different links, you know, if you're mm. going through London, why are there more links if you went through London than if perhaps, I don't know, you went through, and I'm going to like Hong Kong or Beijing or somewhere like that? Okay, let's say if I own a building in America, I might go to an insurance broker and say, I've got a building, can you get some insurance? And the broker might go to an American insurance and say, can you insure this building? And they'd say, yes. And we'd sort it all out. Or the broker might go to a broker in London and the broker in London would say, I'll go to all my friends here in London and we between us will will find an insurance for you for your building. And then this broker will go to lots of different people, some of them called underwriters, some of them called managing agents, managing general agents, it's that jargon again, and, and so on and so forth. Many, many more links in the chain here in London than, uh, than is necessarily the case elsewhere. Just as a really quick one to add to that, um, I think also one thing that, that the London market is actually really bad at doing is communicating the, the massive depth of expertise that we have here in the first place. There's you know experts in every possible specialty line of business. Um, they're here doing business, brokers are bringing them business, but that's not being communicated into markets around the world. And I think there's, there's so much that can be done from the syndicates themselves, insurers, carriers, and from the brokers in London and also locally um, to really communicate why should business come to London, even if it does cost a bit more, why would you do, why would you do business there? Um, and, there's, and there's great reason for it. You know, it is, it is full of the biggest experts in every possible specialty line of business um, across the market. Could I argue that maybe that expertise could also make it cheaper? Because actually, if you know the risks so well, actually, you're the best place to think of the shortcuts in terms of technology that could happen to make things cheaper. But people aren't thinking that way. They're kind of thinking that process is necessary. But if you know your specialist risk of limbs so well, you could probably write something and build something that is much more efficient than if someone comes from a more general point of view. And also, if you have parties that think on behalf of the insured and the insurer, which is one of the big benefits, then you can actually build things that will really be helpful rather than being just insurance for the sake of insurance. Maybe I'm not making sense. No, no, no. no. So you've got a first-hand experience of this, right? So having come from the museum background, they're now going into insurance. 
Did you consider at any point anywhere else other than London? Um, yes, uh, I think that uh, it's, it's, it's a real question you have to ask yourself, especially we're in a global first company, right? We don't necessarily have ties to London other than the fact that our office is here. Most of our business is outside of the UK. Um, but I think that there's something really great about the specialism that the underwriters have uh, in the sp specific uh, market that we're in, that they can think creatively with us about how the product could be cheaper if we were more efficient. And I think that there are many uninsured people because of price that could come into the market if you could think more strategically about that. So actually that, I mean, I, I, that argument makes perfect sense to me. But again, that goes back to uh, the point maybe that Alex was making about promotion. So actually people need to know that that is a thing. So, you know, as you say, people are uninsured. A lot of the time, whether it's for a valuable piece of art or whether it's for their home or renter's insurance, people are uninsured because they don't understand it. They don't know what the benefits are. They don't know what it's going to cost. They don't get it. Um, so maybe they go to the closest broker and they give them a policy, but it's not the right one for them. Um, it's like, you know, Nigel's favorite story about Laka, where, you know, you insure a bike, but all you've ever insured your bike to do is not be stolen from inside your own home. Um, you know, that understanding piece is what I'm getting at, I think. And it sounds like, you know, if, if if there's a little bit more work done on promoting the expertise and the specialism, it might lead to benefits all round. Let's, let's get back to Oliver's point, though, about cost. And you talked about cost as well, about making it cheaper. This, is, this, in, this isn't always about price. This is going to be about, A, expertise and risk, to your first point. But then equally, if we're paying out £100 million in claims per day surely it must be about the speed at which we recover from um, the peril, the issue, the disaster, whatever happened, to get back on our feet as quickly as possible. It's got to be about more than price, isn't it? Yes, you, you could. There's lots of arguments when you could say, yes, that it's got to be about more than price. But I think for a lot of people, it is just about price. In all kinds of uh, fields of insurance, it's all about price. I guess it depends what you're insuring, right? It absolutely yeah. comes back to that. If you are a footballer with the with the most expensive legs in the world, I know what don't know what defines that. The number of goals you score, presumably, mm. um, then there are going to be very few people who are going to know how to insure you. So Sarah's favourite team is Accrington Stanley, obviously. Uh, I'm a rugby girl, um, but if you're trying to insure a building, then you know this. It's a lot more understood. Yeah, it's it's a lot more of a, a common risk. Yeah, I think um, claim service is critical. Um, and, you know, again, it's heartening to see that um, Lloyd's are taking steps in um, some ways to set kind of really quite aggressive KPIs in the market's ability to respond to large claims. I think the other thing London is really good at is collaboration. I mean, the market itself is a collaborative marketplace because you have individual syndicates taking pieces of risk. So by the time you have that um, strength of collaboration, the expertise that we've all talked about, and kind of a really positive licensing structure, um, I think it can deliver something really powerful um, to insurtechs who are looking to collaborate, which is a lot of them. And um, if I twist the agenda slightly to the um, kind of UK insurtech board, uh, this problem of not being able to promote that to insurtechs in an easily understandable way is something we're really keen to try and address because I think it's holding back the development of insurtech in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that kind of, you know, leads us on to a, a little bit more about maybe the, the type of innovation we're seeing here. So we we see a lot of innovation on the front end. We see a lot of, you know, as you say, new ways of delivering apps. Um, but it sounds like what we're suggesting here is that this could be, what also could be done here is a new ways of like underwriting policies, new policies, new types of policies, new ways of underwriting them um is that a new and kind of a, 
a new business line and you kind of I mean, could breathe life back into a market that's struggling? Or is it actually you don't think it's struggling at all and it's just another stream on top? Well, for me, that's one of the more, most interesting parts of the whole insurtech world. Not not so much the, the ability to sell something to consumers via an app, but the ability to improve processes, make underwriting more efficient, deal with big data and use that to make better decisions about where the risks are and how you address the risks. That can make a huge difference, not just for the insurers themselves, but also for their customers. If you're a big company with lots of buildings or oil rigs or whatever, if you can use technology to make smarter decisions about where your risks are, it makes a big difference to the kind of insurance that you'll want to buy. And I think that's where the insurtech world, because there's a, there's a huge opportunity really in that end of things, a lot more in creating an app for consumers. So we, we love um, kind of insurtechs who are looking at different ways of underwriting risk um, or uh, in, in some cases where they think they can create a new product category entirely. Um, product creation is really hard and it's a really small proportion of our deal flow. But when we do see it, it it's very exciting. And we also get very interested from um, technology firms uh, in areas such as predictive maintenance, where, again, they're making a real difference to the risk of our clients and possibly also transforming the way insurance needs to respond. So that's that's something like maybe the Internet of Things, so the idea of a sensor that would predict when maintenance needs to happen, or am I taking that too literally? Uh, so it, it's a combination. I mean, it's all the buzzwords. Yeah. Uh, we like buzzword bingo here. Well, yeah, you're in luck. Um, <laughs> it's, um, so it's a combination of things like industrial sensors, which feed back, uh, and then you have kind of a predictive engine driven by machine learning, right. bingo. Um, and what that can do, obviously, is completely change the risk profile of a client for things like business interruption or even just their risk management budget. I think there's, there's a couple of things you've mentioned um, in between the full house that you've just scored. Thank you. Um, uh, around disruption or innovation that happens in the market versus that the market's leading itself. So in the market, I would say people that collaborate with on the market to provide capacity, capability, skills and everything else. You know, I absolutely love that. The other thing that I'm focused on is where London market itself is actually modernising, transforming and using innovation. If you speak to a Shireen or listen to Inga, they all talk about what they're doing on blockchain, on big data. Your point about new markets, so things like the sharing economy. So Deloitte's working with uh, the market right now on uh, um, how the London market can enable the new sharing economy and what its role is there. Cyber, you could argue, is a relatively new market that's come from zero a couple of years back to what we know and what, 28% of the global market space. These are things that didn't exist before that London is truly making possible and enabling, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and again, I think if you look at the emergence of the cyber market in the London market, there's too many markets, don't judge me, um, <laughs> you, you, you have uh, kind of entrepreneurial underwriters who are able to find the right combination uh, well, hopefully the right combination, um, it's a relatively long tail class, um, but of legal and technical expertise to start to build the market. And they accelerated quicker than some of the other local markets. As we've seen some of the SME business kind of become commoditized, as you discussed in last week's podcast, um, some of the advantages of London disappear a little bit. Um, but as that market grows, they'll, they'll continue to be at the forefront of the envelope. But it's like when you go and buy a coal, the innovation happens in some of the great big brands in their top of the range cars and then slowly filters down to mass production you could almost argue it's the same sort of uh, cultural way in which things filter through so to your point about expertise then all that happens at the outset with the uh, the, the, the core guys inside the London market. And once that's become more mainstream, you can then deploy it into other areas quite quickly. But then risk, of course, losing it to other markets that will do it more efficiently and at a better price. 
or that at the other end of the market, at the more commoditized end, more things drop out. And so the, as things develop, there are new risks that come on, like cyber or, or sharing economy, whatever it is. But but then other things get more commoditized. People decide they don't need so much insurance or they can get it cheaper elsewhere because it's already well understood. So it, it drops off down out of the other end of the pipe. So it's a question of keeping both ends in, in balance and making sure there's enough coming in to, to counteract the commoditization of the, the other end. So what's your favourite innovation right now then? In terms of London market, what would you point to? I mean, I'm, I'm with that you. That is a niche question, I, I, Nigel. Well, I'm, I'm, it's, okay, I, I might be being a bit, a bit unfair, but I, I listen to you talk about IoT and sensors and preventative maintenance. I hear it all the time, and, and I get super excited by it. Is it something that's unique about London that we can't do anywhere else, or is it really back to what you said, Alex, about the skills and resources or the expertise being here and nowhere and nowhere else? Well, I think from a personal perspective as a startup in the London market, exactly as you just said, Nigel, we found it very difficult to begin with to get the first sort of leaders in the market on board to take the punt on it, to, to, to get them involved. And we found that, you know, after the first year, we got a, some really great names uh, onto the platform. Uh, we then have introduced you know, triple that over the, over the last year, which is, which is really exciting. So I think, you know, getting brands associated with what you're doing um, and from in our case, enabling them to communicate their expertise to, you know, from a carrier's perspective, a global audience of brokers who could be feeding them business from other markets around the world has become a much more attractive proposition. But, you know, that was what we were selling to begin with. Uh, it took us two years and, and, and 10 organizations, 10 clients uh, to get to really get the ball rolling. Um, so it is tough. I think the overall sort of view from carriers, from brokers in the London market has definitely changed over the last few years in terms of uh, adopting technology in general and adopting InsureTech, as you say, and this whole buzz around InsureTech has definitely helped that massively. Um, but yeah, in general, I think it, it, it's, it still has that slightly um, slightly old-fashioned view on the, the tangible business benefits that InsureTech can provide on a day-to-day basis. So, so the big question there then is how much of this is that they think innovation will help them and how much do they feel threatened? And if you're going to talk about insurance, you're going to talk about threat, you've got to talk about Amazon. So you know, how much, how much are they feeling pressured either from other markets or from tech giants who think are going to come in and do it better? And how much of this is like, nah, we got this. Like, we're going to innovate on our own time and our own speed. I wouldn't profess to be a, a, uh, an expert on this, but I think you know from from our perspective, we get a, a lot of um, insurtech focused articles running through the, through the platform, um, and I think it's very clear that the commercial specialty part of the market is, I still think, you know, quite a long way away from being uh, massively disrupted by an Amazon or by a Google uh, or whatever it might be. But I actually met with someone recently from Amazon who mentioned that you know they could quite easily reshape the whole insurance model itself for the personal lines market. You know why why pay out a check when there's a loss why not just replace it immediately with exactly what's what whatever's been lost immediately so and they can do that you know by clicking their finger so i i, I can't see why they wouldn't do that in the personal lines uh, part of the industry in, the, in you know the next couple of years but i do think yeah the commercial specialty part of the market uh, much more complex risks um, which may be a bit further away from I from suspect they're not quite stocking Bernadine's, Monet's, wherever else that we're actually <laughs> shipping around various different exhibitions. Though, yeah, museums. it would be tough to replace. A little bit, yeah. I think. What's, what's interesting is that for me so far, we've not seen the likes of Google or Apple or Amazon coming very heavily into insurance of any sort at all. There's a real contrast between 
those companies and the tech giants in uh, in Asia, particularly in China, who have taken a big interest in the insurance world. But it, even there, I don't think they're interested in the kind of specialty risks that are written in the London market. That, I think they're they're too complicated. They're too um, there's too much regulation. There's too much capital required. There's other things that these companies are interested in. They might get round to it in time, but I, I think it's quite a lot of time. I think I think the the bigger threat is that some of the technologies they develop change the way that customers buy their insurance and what they're looking for from their insurance. You mentioned capital. If I split out expertise and capital and technology as three things that might change the London market, is the bigger threat, therefore, access to easier capital or cheaper capital elsewhere? Yes, potentially. And there's a lot of capital around in insurance at the moment. And, and technology offers the possibility of bringing that capital closer to the, the ultimate risks. I, th- I think that's a bigger issue than, than the idea that the, the big giants of the industry are going to come in. I mean, our, our parent company, um, Score, is, of course, a, a major um, reinsurer, as is the London market in its own right. And if you look at the prospect of an Amazon or a Google um, going into personal lines, there's a strong chance that that will actually generate reinsurance opportunities of its own. And so that the pool might shrink a bit from the client base, um, but there will probably still be opportunities. And what's been interesting about um, the Asian tech firms who've gone into insurance is instead of running it through their corporate balance sheet or through their captive, sorry to put some more jargon there, um, in many cases they've either bought an insurance company shell um, or set up a de novo insurance carrier and then bought reinsurance in the traditional manner. So the impact on Lloyd's um, is sort of TBC. Uh, If I was working for a kind of general retail insurer with major market presence, I would be very, very interested in their current activities. So maybe, Oliver, your point about having too many chinks in the chain actually is both a positive and a negative sometimes because you're further away from the things that might get disrupted first in this instance, I guess. In this instance, yes. But I I think overall, it's probably more of a negative than than, than a... (laughs) A positive. I mean, to complete our buzzword bingo, I don't think anyone said blockchain yet, so no. I'm going to do that. But that is what brings capital closer to risks, ultimately. You know, investors put money into a blockchain sort of instrument and find they access the risks much more closely. That's that what, disrupt, what disrupts things. If, you know, if, if the investors can be teamed up with a, a model more easily, then... That, I think, is where disruption comes from. London Market was once described to me as the original distributed ledger in terms of the place itself. And, you know, you've got the market in the way in which it works. You've got distributed people. Lloyd's invented blockchain. Is this what we're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I can see where that's going. Simon's going to kill us, isn't he? Shh, shh. Don't mention it. He won't hear. Um, So, I mean, you know, we've covered quite a lot here. We've covered, you know, the threat. We've covered the the external threat, geographical threat, technological threat. But, um, you know, what would be nice to do is if we could get everybody's perspective on, you know, what the future looks like for the industry here so I think we kind of established apart from maybe Oliver's on the fence that the London market can weather this there's there's enough specialty here whether it's capital or expertise or whatever else that it's going to hold a position um, but you know what, what are we looking for are we looking for it to grow that share are we looking for it to change that share you know what, what do people think this is the future holds I think it needs to change to hold on. I I think we're all kind of confident maybe in the very short term, but in the longer term, you definitely need to evolve in order to continue to be a big presence worldwide. I wouldn't be that confident to say that in 20 years time, it'll have the same impact. It needs to have, uh, it needs to be open. And actually, interestingly, we never 
thought about the insurance side when we started six years ago. And it was actually the brokers and underwriters who were very forward thinking who came to us and said, there are ways in which we can innovate here. And I think if, and they were from the London market, if you get more of that type of outward looking, uh, intelligent thinking about, hey, maybe there are some marketplaces, startups, different things happening in this in this industry that we can get involved with that can keep growing. But the role of the broker there is quite interesting. You, you just highlighted that there actually will be and always is a role for a broker in specialist areas like this that have the expertise um, the ability to try and innovate and help you as opposed to going to an electronic marketplace for understanding yourself, right? I'd like to say yes. Um, I think it's more about there always needs to be someone looking out for the insured and whether a machine can do that using all of the innovation that's happening is still a question. But for now, um, brokers are very important. You've had time to think this one through. Bernadine had the short straw there. I, my thoughts are, I think the London market is an, is an amazing place, as I've mentioned, you know, f- full to the brim of incredible expertise. Um, obviously, there are issues with the cost of doing business in the London market, which I think uh, are being addressed and maybe should be addressed quicker. Um, but I think, you know, overall, the opportunities from around the world, in emerging markets especially, from businesses that could be buying specialty insurance or reinsurance is enormous. And if the focus was on expanding the London market's expertise to these markets, uh, I think that the future is really, really exciting. Um, I suppose it's, 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 as I say, just just down to getting the cost of business um, sorted out here uh, as well. But uh, I think all in all, things look, things look good. Great. Oliver? I put you on the st- put you on the spot. So I think what London needs to do to survive is to to continue insuring people that other people other insuring things that other people can't or won't, um, whether that's cyber risks or sharing economy or whatever it is. Just being innovative and doing the kinds of things that other people are either not willing to or not able to. That is that is how the market will thrive. Um, trying to do what everyone else is doing and but a bit cheaper is always going to be hard for London. But if it keeps that speciality going, its specialisms, then I think, yes, it can do very well. Two things to say, really. I mean, firstly, I think I'm in the rare position, if you look globally, of being someone who kind of, I genuinely love my job. Um, the, the London market is full of kind of entrepreneurial people who are pretty good at executing. So I believe the market will have a positive future if um, the stars align to give those people the tool sets, uh, the processes and the systems they need to deliver what they do best in an efficient manner. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty positive about its future. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, everybody. That wraps up the roundtable for today. Uh, where can our listeners find out a bit more about you, Oliver? Follow me on Twitter at Oliver underscore Ralph, and you can read my articles on FT.com. Bernadine? Um, I am also on Twitter at BJK Broker, um, and you can visit our website at www.vastari.com. Brilliant. And Alex? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Slipcase is on Twitter uh, at slipcase.com, and our URL is www.slipcase.com, or our app is available to download on the App Store or on the Android Store. Will? Uh, so I'm on Twitter. Embarrassingly, I can never remember my handle. But, and I'm also on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash willthorn. And uh, we are super interested to hear from any insurtechs who are interested in finding out more about what the London market can offer. Brilliant. And Nigel? I am also on Twitter. and I do remember my handle. It's Nigel Walsh, uh, LinkedIn or on Deloitte's website, of course. And you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Koshansky. 
That wraps up another InsureTech Insider. Thank you to all our guests, to Will Thorne, Oliver Ralph, Bernadine Brocker and Alex Hearn. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at InsureTech Insiders. And if you like what you've heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please reach out on Twitter or email podcasts at 11fs.com. Thank you.